Welcome to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about the films playing at BYU's International Cinema. Today we're talking about the Romanian documentary Collective by Alexander Nano that came out in 2019. I'm Marilor Oskerson, Assistant Director of International Cinema, and I'm joined by Professor Anka Springer from the BYU French and Italian Department. Welcome, Anka. Thank you for having me here, Marie-Laure. I'm really excited to talk some more about this movie, just because Romanian movies, although they're, they've been making their way in uh, uh, the most prestigious uh, film festivals, winning awards uh, left and right, they're not that well known to a wide audience. And why do you think is the reason for this uh, lack of distribution? Like, of what? What is this that Romanian movies are, are not making it to the more popular ways of of seeing a film? I could start with something that has to do with the history of Romanian cinema. So we know that Romania was a communist country until 1990, and the movies during uh, the communist regime were just like any other communist movies from other Eastern Bloc countries. You know, lots of propaganda and uh, very simplistic characters and uh, not a lot of uh, qualities that could make these movies interesting to international audiences. But, you know, I would say around 2005, there's this phenomenon that critics have agreed to call the new Romanian cinema. So in 2005, there were several Romanian movies that won international awards at the Festival de Cannes, at the Sundance Film Festival, at many other international film festivals. And this is when you know, the Romanian film, the new Romanian cinema started becoming more visible. But these movies, I would say, are in a very strong contrast or opposition with the communist movies in the sense that they're dealing with very disturbing, very unpleasant situations and moral dilemmas. And just to give a few examples from the movies that we've already shown at the International Cinema, there are movies that deal with, again, corruption, loss of uh, faith of, let's say, like children in their parents, parents who are not a role model. We're dealing with all kinds of, you know, even more severe situations such as the illegal abortions during the communist regime and uh, the legal system. So all these are not, let's face it, very entertaining. Some of them, just like, you know, the movie called 432, you know, four months, three weeks, two days, is a movie that was so disturbing that many people just found it unwatchable. Nevertheless, it got, you know, a lot of international awards because of its qualities as, as an art film. So this is one of the reasons why Romanian films are not so popular because they're not, they're not something that people 
would watch just, you know, to be entertained. And this is where I could tell more about this documentary. Because this documentary is the first Romanian movie, if I'm not mistaken, to be nominated for the Academy Awards. Yes. This is something that is surprising to many people, including the most reputable film critics in Romania. One can wonder why is it that a documentary about a terrible fire that took place in a Romanian uh, club in 2015, people who suffered the consequences of this fire, people who died, parents dealing with grief because they lost their children, and then an investigation about the corruption that led to all these deaths. How can this be nominated for the Academy Awards because the Academy Awards the Academy Awards has used us to with something different right so to you what would be like the Academy Awards typical movie you know how how do you see that that is a really good question i mean this this documentary i've watched it as a thriller um exactly so very, very engaging and some messages are so important about freedom of press, freedom of expression. So values that globally we cheer for those values. As a community, we want to support the message that's expressed mm-hmm. in this. And this documentary is so important and, and as well in a powerful way. But yes, those are, are good good questions. Why would it be nominated? And we, we see the, the power in the, the filmmaking here. Yes, and, and I think that you've actually, you know, given one of the answers that certain movie critics have been given to this mystery. Why is Collective nominated for the Academy Awards? It can be watched as a thriller. And it also has, as you know, one of the famous Romanian film critics, his name is Andrei Gorzo, he said that it has this dimension of heroic fight between good and evil. And that's what we see a lot in the typical Academy Awards movies. You have somebody, like, you know, you have heroes who are fighting for a good cause, and they are trying to change the world, and, you know, they face a lot of obstacles and threats from the bad guys. And this is actually what we see in this movie. We see these heroic figures fighting for a good cause, trying to to change the world. So this also gives a, a sort of romantic dimension to the movie. We, we can see a real successful outcome as well. We can see the, the power of people protesting in the streets. Mm-hmm. And the prime minister resigns because of the power of the people asking for transparency and justice and asking for all the corruption to be cleaned up. We had a conversation on Cap before this podcast about this young generation and, right. and taking it to mm-hmm. the streets and the power that they have and then comparing it to their parents. And you mentioned that there are generational issues that are shown in Romanian cinema. And I'm wondering if like on a historical uh, context, if you would tell us a little bit more about those issues and, and how they contrast with each other, especially since we have a generation in the 
1990s, late 1980s, who are seeing a lot of, of upheavals and changes in their society with the fall of communism. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing this documentary that portrays the power of, of a younger generation, maybe even the children of the people who were young in 1989. How do we see those two generations and contrast them where are they at in their own historical backgrounds? That's an excellent question. And I think that kind of start a little bit like, you know, backwards. So I'll start with collective, you know, just to give a little bit of the, you know, political context. So there's this awful, terrible fire at a club in Bucharest. And of course, it's young people who were in this club and they are the main victims, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to say that, you know, so there were people in their 20s, in their 30s, and Nano, the director and the producer of this movie, is about this age, this generation. He must have had friends who were affected by this or who knew people who were in this fire. So anyway, there's this terrible fire. And there were like 65 people who lost their lives and, you know, hundreds who were wounded, like, you know, severely wounded. And in the first place, the the fire took place because of corruption and neglect, because the building was not properly inspected, it was not properly equipped. Uh, And then people continued to die in hospitals, again, because of corruption, because the health minister back then said, oh, we don't need any help, we can handle everything, which was not true. And there were lots of problems in these hospitals that were not taken seriously. And people who had wounds that were not deadly ended up dying because of infections in these hospitals. So it's these young people who were directly affected by this. And as a parenthesis, you said that the prime minister had to resign. Just to give you another example of the corruption, this prime minister who resigned had plagiarized one of his uh, dissertations for one of his degrees and did not have a second degree he claimed he had. And when a committee examined this and did some investigations, accused him of this, he simply dismantled this committee. So this is how things used to be dealt with. But after collective... No, go ahead. Well, quickly, you mentioned as well that a lot of people who were not burned that badly, who should have survived, died because in the hospital... They were infected, and there's another scandal that the documentary explores there. Exactly. Disinfectant use was diluted by the manufacturer to save money. So we see in this documentary corruption at so many levels. It's it's very discouraging, actually. Exactly. And this is when, again, the young generation, they were the first to go out in the streets and ask for the prime minister to resign, asked for justice, asked for basically a decent, honorable life in this country, in in Romania. And they were extremely persistent. And it's the first time that, you know, these street protests actually toppled the government. 
So, and I have to say that, you know, when, when these mainly young people were in the streets asking for the end of corruption, for justice, for being taken seriously, there were lots of people who said, well, yeah, you know, they're young. What were they doing in that club? And this is so absurd. Mm-hmm. And there are also even like conspiracy theories. And there were people who said, actually, you know, they're probably hand in hand with some foreign powers and they want to destroy Romania. Mm-hmm. And you see this generational divide in Romania at this moment in 2015 when this happened. And I'm going back to the Romanian revolution that took place in December 1989. So it is, again, mainly the young generation that contributed, that was instrumental in this revolution and in the end of uh, Ceausescu. I think that it was in the late 60s. He passed this decree that banned basically any form of birth control. And these people who were born between like, you know, late 60s and late 70s, they were paradoxically the generation that brought down Ceausescu and the end of communism. They were, I would say, the result of this regime. And at the same time, they were the ones who fought against it. And from that moment on, we've seen a lot of generation gaps or divides. And I have to say that there are many people from like older generations who say, well, communism was not so bad. Things were not so bad, you know, during Ceausescu. So there's a lot of nostalgia. And of course, this is like, you know, you're never going to see this with the young generations. So it's like the older generations that some of them are nostalgic about communism. But going back to to Alexander Nano, who made the collective, he said that, For him, talking to young people, they were in their 20s, in their 30s, this made him aware, you know, he he called that an awakening. He said that there are these people who realized that the 1989 revolution was basically stolen or diverted or misled, that, you know, they were people like the Romanians were fooled tricked the promises of a better society that everybody believed in in December 1989 ended up to be empty. So I think that Nano kind of connects these revolutionary moments where you have these young people who are trying to change the world. And I think that this may explain this uh, romanticism that some critics saw in this documentary. Interesting. A question about the filmmaker Alexander Nano. He was born in Romania, moved to Germany, and I think probably went pretty young and, and yes. <laughs> growing up in Germany. I'm wondering if that was the perfect person to make it, someone who being outside of Romania maybe has a different view of the country and maybe someone who has access to 
foreign funding for a documentary. I'm wondering, would you think that this documentary could have been the product of a Romanian product 100% and not this kind of like international work in some ways? Right, right. So this, this is a very good and at the same time a very tricky question because this documentary is considered Romanian. And one may wonder why, because Alexander Nano is German now. So, you know, he was born in Romania, but uh, you're right, he left when he was like, you know, 10 or 11. And he studied film in Germany. However, I think that as we live in in a very international world, sometimes it's almost hard to decide, like, you know, what makes a Romanian movie a Romanian movie? Oh, absolutely. Um, so that's one thing that I would say about this movie. So it takes place in Romania, and it's produced by a Romanian-born, and it produced and directed by a Romanian-born German filmmaker and producer, you know, you you have all the Romanian, uh, they're not actors, but, you know, the people in the movie, they're all Romanian. But it's true that this has the wonderful opportunity of European funding. At the same time, if you look at other Romanian films, not all of them, but many of them, nowadays they do have international funding. So, you know, European funding, which, of course, you know, makes us uh, reflect some more on national identity of films. But to come back to, you know, your question about uh, Nano, the interesting thing is that this is not his only documentary mm -hmm. on uh, Romania so or, or Romanian issues. He has another documentary called The World According to Jan B. And this documentary talks about a homeless man in Romania who lived in poverty for a big part of his life. His name was or is Jan uh, Burladanu. And he basically lived off trash and whatever other people discarded. But he was making these uh, art pieces, these uh, collages, and he was discovered a very interesting artist. I think that he, he has left Romania since. So this is another documentary about uh, poverty and exclusion in Romania, about artists struggling to communicate. So all these are issues very specific to Romania. So I think that, yes, Nano is perfect for this documentary because in Germany, he has the necessary distance that maybe makes him more objective. At the same time, he has Romanian ties and he understands the language and the culture. So I think that this makes him perfect, I would say, for this documentary. Very good. Anka, what are you hoping our students will get from this documentary? You know, first of all, I think that they, although they may be disturbed by the very serious issues that the documentary is dealing with, I think that the students will like the thriller 
pace of this documentary. I think I might have told you that I was surprised to see on a Delta flight that people had chosen to watch this movie. We know most of the times people watch more like typically entertaining movies on a flight. But this was so fascinating to some that they decided to watch it. So it's this fast pace, this thriller, the investigation. It's also an amazing movie about journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have a very atypical journalist who writes for a sports paper who ends up finding all these incredible instances of corruption. And, you know, you see how they work or how they're trying to work and how they end up even uh, receiving threats. And it's almost like you see history in In the making in the making exactly so there are all these levels you see history in the making as the journalists are uncovering all these facts as the politicians are dealing with these revelations and you know you also have the very sad part of dealing with grief because we have the parents whose children died or whose children were severely injured in this fire. And you have the victims who are physically and psychologically scarred, emotionally scarred by this fire and who are painfully learning how to function, how to live again. And I think that this is also an incredible lesson in resilience, because one of the women that we keep seeing in the movie is somebody who was severely burned who just does not give up and who fights not just for herself, but, you know, we can see that she's trying to fight for justice, for the recognition of these uh, victims and, uh, you know, for the politicians to admit their responsibility. So I think that all these are extremely good values that come out from something extremely, extremely traumatic, extremely tragic. So the courage and the resilience of uh, these victims is really amazing. It is a very powerful documentary. I want to remind our students that we only offer two screenings of this documentary. So please check the schedule at ic.byu.edu to find out when those two screenings are the week of January 12 to 15. And make sure that you don't miss this powerful documentary. Anka, I'm so grateful for your time and being with us today. Thank you so much for your passion for Romania and this documentary. After documentary note, now that this movie is has been nominated for the Academy Awards and uh, people are really impressed with all these young generation trying to change things and trying to make Romania a better country, I just read an article in which Alexandra Furnia, the young woman who keeps 
appearing in the documentary and who was so severely burned, she wrote six years after the fire that after all these efforts, six years later, the trial is still dwindling. And after so many deaths, after so much suffering, nobody has been held responsible or convicted of any crime. That's very sobering. It is a very disappointing note that contrasts with uh, this political romanticism that we see in, uh, in the movie. And also the, the young health minister that mm-hmm. we see in the movie, the one who um, hoped to change things and change the health system in Romania. Yes. Uh, he was just dismissed by the current prime minister for poorly handling the COVID situation. Ah, oh, yeah. So uh, I yeah. can say that, you know, this is like, unfortunately, this is a never ending story. And I think that we need more documentaries like this one and more investigations like the one did by these uh, journalists we saw in uh, Collective. Yeah. Well, um, this semester, if you're interested on this topic of freedom of speech and of press, we have two other documentaries that deal with this topic. One that deals with um, the Philippines, A Thousand Cuts, mm-hmm. and that's in March. Mm-hmm. And another one, Writing with Fire, that is talking about women who are journalists in India. And wow. so if you're interested, and that will be coming end of March as well. If you're interested in this topic, you can you can see those documentaries at, at international cinema that are coming up and, and talking about this um, topic, yeah. The, these are extremely important topics. They're not just about India or the Philippines or Romania, but the freedom of speech or press, you know, this is something that involves all of us and touches all of us. Yes, very, very, very important topic. Thank you so much, Anka. Thank you. And thank you uh, to all our listeners today for joining us uh, on From the Booth. We're grateful for the support of the BYU College of Humanities. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not represent official views of the university or the supportive institutions. Work on the Sound is by Marina Ekstrom-Pratt. Our producer is Devin Glenn. And the music is by Johnny Stallings. Thank you all for your help. Until next week, keep talking about the films you see. Bye-bye.